Welcome to the Get a Calm Dog podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. On this podcast, we are taking on the dog training industry and deconstructing what it means to, quote, train a dog. In fact, I believe only you are the expert in understanding and caring for your dog, not some magical dog whisperer or all-knowing dog trainer. And with a lot of context and coaching, you can realize your expertise in supporting your dog. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. I hope you're doing very fabulous. Thank you guys for jumping into today's episode. We are talking about two recovering rovers from an RRP. I want to share a little bit of their journey. I want to share some of the insights that they gained through data analysis, where they were and where they are now. And I'm excited to give you a little bit of an inspiration. I know that when you're on this journey, working through your dog's recovery, sometimes you just need to hear that things are working for other people to keep you motivated, to keep doing what you need to do. So hopefully these two recovery stories bring you some inspiration and motivate you to keep going on path. So I want to start our inspirational episode with the story of risk. Now, you might also hear me call him Risky. Those two names are interchangeable. And Team Risk is from Southern California. Risk is, at this point, he is a 16-month-old standard poodle. Although when he joined the RRP, he was seven months old, about seven months old. And Risk, their family had noticed sensitivity from a very early age. Even when they brought him home at the eight-week, nine-week, ten-week mark, they noticed that he was sensitive. And so as they started putting him in those early dog training classes, they did have a trainer be like, you know, I'm pretty sure these training classes are flooding him. And if you don't know what flooding means, it basically is when a dog is put in a situation that is so averse, so alarming, that they become inundated and overwhelmed with the information. And it actually is putting the dog through a very traumatic event rather than a beneficial one. And so in Risk's family's case, while they were taking their young puppy at the time to go to these you know, basic exposure classes, they did have a trainer tell them, hey, pretty sure we're flooding him. Pretty sure he's really sensitive. I don't think these are helpful for him. So they ended up doing little one-on-one sessions at this facility with this trainer. And what they were noticing is that they weren't able to take what they were learning in that environment, in that training environment, and apply it to all of the different situations that risk was sensitive. So for some context, Risk was reactive to noises, people, dogs, and that took place inside the home and out. So, for example, they couldn't watch TV, right, because the TV was super sensitive. They had to close all of the windows, close all of the blinds, make sure everything was shut down. Oftentimes, Risk didn't even want to go outside, but if he did, he definitely couldn't handle it. They lived in like a condo complex environment. And so just walking around that environment was really difficult for them. He couldn't handle the dogs behind the fences. He couldn't handle the dogs walking down the street. He became very reactive. And that noise sensitivity component also added a trigger stacking level. And the thing about it is that at this point, remember when he joined the RRP, he was seven months old. So at this point, they don't really know how much of his behavior is puppy related, how much of it is just like puppy sensitivity and he needs some cognitive maturity and how much of this is actually a problem. If from a very early age is demonstrating the sensitivity and it's not really improving and he can have pleasant experiences, but they're contextualized, this is an indication that that dog 
very well could continue to get worse. This is not just a matter of a puppy. This is a matter of an anxiety disorder that is increasing in severity. So they had decided that, you know, I think this puppy is dealing with some struggles. I think this puppy is not just like demonstrating sensitivity and fear in the way that puppies do, but he's going to need a more comprehensive approach. And I asked them because I knew that he was a puppy. I was like, this is a six-month commitment. Joining the RP is a six-month minimum commitment, right? I mean, even once you graduate, you can still be working through recovery. That's what a lot of our graduates do. So why do you think he's going to need that big thing? Are you ready to take that step forward? And they said, listen, we really think he needs it. I really think he's going to need this more comprehensive approach. But even if he doesn't, even if we join the program and we find out that we're giving him more techniques and more skills than he actually is requiring for his sensitivity, what is the harm of that? And they were very blunt. They were like, we would rather give him the skills, give them these critical thinking skills, give him these abilities, help us be better guardians to provide him the support that he needs than to underestimate what he's going through and get not provide him what he actually needs. What is the harm in over-delivering? What is the harm in giving him those tools? And I was like, listen, you are speaking my language. Because to me, there is no harm in teaching any dog counter-conditioning. If I had my way, every single dog in the world would learn to alleviate if I had it my way, right? But we want to make sure that the guardians in the RP are also prepared for a six-month commitment. And it's one of the reasons why I asked them that question. And they were invested. They were ready. So when they were in the RP, I really challenged them to study risks behavior, risks individual sensitivity, risks individual behavior trend. And one of the things that they had noticed before joining the RP was that risk panted a lot. Just when he was out or when he was walking around the house, he's always panting, 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 panting. And before the RP, they thought, Maybe he just needs to be trimmed. Maybe he's really hot. So they kept shaving him. Remember, he's a standard poodle. So they just kept shaving him. And through the RRP, go figure, they really recognized, you know, actually this panting is an indication of his restlessness and his unease, right? His inability to lay and be comfortable. The other thing that they had noticed was that risk before the RRP, he had a very sensitive stomach. He had experiences with getting worms a lot. He had diarrhea a lot. And just overall, his digestion was rough. And so one of the things that we had to investigate while in the RRP was, is there actually some sort of digestion issue? They talked to their vet a lot about this. They talked to a VB a lot about this. But through that investigation, they actually established that his digestion or his diarrhea is heavily correlated to his stress. And they could actually tell how difficult a learning experience or an event was for risk based on his stool afterward. That's how easily, that's how much they were studying risk's behavior is they were able to establish the correlation between how difficult a session was to what came out of the other end in an hour. That is study. Now, here's some other things they learned. I'm going through my notes. I'm pulling up what she had written me. She had said that when she joined the RP, risk puppy behavior would jump and pull at the leash, right? And they got very dismissed as like, that's just what puppies do. But we had a suspicion that this nipping at the leash, this nipping and biting when he was getting rowdy was actually more frustration-based, right? 
And so one of the things that we gave risk was a lot of drive games. And what I mean by that is in phase three, we have about eight, 10 different games that are meant to engage a dog's drive, the different types of drives that they have and get them stimulated and be able to harness that. So a lot of times what we're talking about is we want to get the dog to a state of adrenaline, right? Get that adrenaline rush going, get that state of excitement going, but ask them to harness it and not be go over threshold. And so we gave risk about eight to 10 games. And I say we gave risk, we give everybody in the RP these games in phase three. We gave risk these skills to be able to become stimulated, but not go over threshold. And as a result of those skills, because this was one of risk's parents' favorite games to play, for Richmond was engaging him in these games. One of the byproducts of that was that his frustration fighting dissipated. And now it very rarely happens, but as it does happen, it's clear information on how risk is feeling, right? If he starts jumping at that leash or he starts mouthing at it, it's usually in context like he feels confined, that he can't escape the environment, right? So it's very blatant information if he does do it. And to that point, it's very seldom when he does. Now, the most important thing that mom said about their journey and about their recovery journey and going through alleviate and going through the steps was that A, they have a better relationship with risks than they've had with any other dog. Now, by a sad coincidence, basically the exact same day, I think it was like two or three days before they were meant to graduate the RIP, their other dog had passed away. Now, their other dog was older. And she had lived a very long life. But of course, this was a very emotional moment in their life, right? A very emotional phase in their life. And the one thing they said to me, and the one thing they wrote in their little reflections that we asked them is, what has the RP given you in your life? And she had said, it has given me a perspective of dog behavior that is going to change the way I interact with every other dog, right? And that is something that we hear a lot of times when we work with guardians of anxious dogs is that while yes, working with an anxious dog or working with a highly reactive dog, a highly sensitive dog, it takes a lot of toll on you mentally, emotionally, physically. Like it is laborious. It is challenging. It has obstacles. But the payoff of working with a dog like that is so much more significant than working with a quote unquote normal dog, right? And I use the term normal with discretion, of course, but you know, the payoff is so much more significant because you're learning things about how dogs think and about how your dog operates that is transcends just this one dog you're living with right now. It goes into all of the other dogs you're gonna live with in the rest of your life, not to mention all the other dogs you're gonna encounter and how you show up for them. And she was so grateful for that understanding of dog behavior and that understanding of risk. And the other thing that she had said, and this she put it in all caps, which made me really happy. She said, I trust risk and he trusts me. And as a puppy, they didn't have that communication. They did not have that dialogue. They didn't know what the other one was wanting. They didn't know what the other one needed even, but they have established this trust. And so before this episode, I contacted them again and we were just talking because once you're in the RV, you're in the RV's life. So we still talk to you, right? And so I contacted them. They had a little question. I answered it. And they said, the puppy we had when we joined the RP was not able to do normal things. Now, 
Risk has been asking to go on walks around the complex, going between six to 10 feet of people and dogs. He's watching and listening for trucks to go by. And they can have a Sunday afternoon with the front screen open and Risk will just lay and sleep. So let's break this down. Not only are they taking Risk out around their condo complex and in getting closer between six to 10 feet of dogs and people, which was just like not even possible, let alone, you know, when they joined the RP. What was really a stretch two, three months ago, even, right? But he's had this aha moment in the last month or so. He's had this click. Now, one of the questions they had asked me was, what is going on in this month? Like, why are we seeing such change in him in, in this month? And I asked questions. I was like, what's going on? Like, give me some context. And what we found is there's a lot of variables in play. One of them being that... He is reaching a more cognitive mature state. He's now 16 months and he is developing in a more cognitive way. And he's about to mature even sexually, right? So there's going to be continuous shifts there, but you can't blame all of their success on the fact that he is becoming an adult. You cannot blame all that. What you have to acknowledge is this rolling effect that we see with our graduates and what we see with our anxious dogs is that it starts off slow and the guardian's recovery journey with their dog starts off really slow. And then it's like a snowball. It just kind of picks a little bit, it gets a little bit bigger, a little bit better. And then it gets a little bit bigger as it snowballs. And then pretty soon, and this usually happens about the nine month mark of a recovery journey. So about two to four months after graduating the RRP, there's like this click in the dogs, where they just suddenly like are able to do things. They're just suddenly able to handle walking between six to 10 feet of a trigger. They're suddenly able to just leap by the front screen door with the door wide open to the world. And they just leap on the ground and are not noise sensitive, are not triggered by the people walking by. How does that happen? That, my friends, is laying a foundation. That, my friends, is what happens when a guardian has been diligent, has been doing all of the right thing, is laying that groundwork, is laying that information out for their dog, is building those skills in their dog. It didn't just happen by accident. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a surprise. It was the culmination of a lot of things coming together to pay off for the reward that Team Risk is getting this month. And that's what I would say to you if you guys feel like you're in the earlier stages or perhaps you've been on the journey for a little while, but you haven't been laying the right groundwork, right? You haven't been using the right tools, the right resources, is you may not see the transformation of the right resources right out of the get-go. Not necessarily, but you will see the payoff in a culmination. You will see where suddenly it just becomes easier. Hey, Doug Guardian, I'm jumping in here to let you know that we are now enrolling new guardians and their dogs into our Recover Rover membership. Recover Rover is a monthly subscription where you get access to our big library of content, including prey drive, reactivity, aggression, resource guarding, separation anxiety, and other phobias. Plus, you get coaching support directly from me and team doc liaison. Plus, you get into our exclusive Recover Rover community where you can build relationships with guardians going through the exact same recovery journey as you and your dog. So if that sounds like something you might be interested in, you can go to getacomdoc.com or check the description box 
We have linked all of the necessary information in there for you. And now back to the episode. We hear this from our guardians a lot, particularly our graduate, where they just message us and they're like, oh my gosh, we have a completely different dog than we had three months ago. I know. So that's the nugget of gold. That's the lesson learned for you guys for Risk's story. Now I want to share with you Fiona, our good girl, Fiona. Now Team Fiona graduate at the end of this month. So they've got about a week and a half left or so in the RP. And when I tell you that this is a completely different relationship between dog and guardian, I mean, it's like night and day, guys. It is a completely different relationship. Now, when Team Fiona joined the RP, Fiona had aggressed towards several people several times. She had aggressed towards mom over five times, one of which absolutely bit her right in the head and made her bleed. Several times she had injured mom. She had injured other people, friends, family friends, right? She had aggressed towards partners and people in her life that she had met, encountered. And she absolutely had what we would consider like a bite history, right? And it wasn't for a lot of trying. It wasn't that her guardian was just like letting her off free loose, doing anything. They're just saying like, go off, go bite. Her guardian had paid a lot of money before joining the RP. She had done in-person training, like a whole package of lessons where the in-person training. She had done a one-month board and train, a one-month board and train. And then even after that board and train, she had done one-on-one training at the facility. And Fiona's guardian will tell you, like, Fiona did change in that time, Right. She became more aware of her environment. She was able to problem solve a little bit more than she was previously. So those training events, those training experiences didn't help, but those training experiences gave one clear red flag to mom. And that was that Fiona cannot calm down when she's experiencing punishment. Fiona cannot become comfortable in environments where she is experiencing punishment, even if it's just like water hitting her. She could not settle. But when she would settle was when she was given treats and when the environment was more positive in nature and she was being corrected. So our guardian knew, okay, the next thing that I need to do is to treat Fiona's mental health with positivity, with kindness, with respect. But logistically, the exposure that she had had with a positive trainer really just walked her through engage, disengage. It really had just given her experience to, here's a treat when you look at the trigger. And I think we can all agree, if you have a dog who has demonstrated aggression, has demonstrated bites several times, especially towards you, there needs to be a more holistic approach. And for no other reason other than we also needed to treat mom's trauma. Because here's the reality. When you have a dog aggressed towards you, and at this point I'm speaking from experience because I grew up with a dog that aggressed towards me. When you have a dog that has aggressed towards you, you absolutely stop trusting that individual. You cannot trust yourself around that individual. Every single time you're around that person, you have, or that dog, you have a twinge in your stomach. And this was happening to Fiona's mom. They lived together and Fiona's mom was in constant state of like, is she going to look at me? Is she going to get me? What does this mean? What do I do? And if Fiona's mom was feeling that way, absolutely Fiona was feeling that way. They had no trust. They couldn't communicate. They didn't know what the other one wanted. They didn't know how to give 
what the other one wanted, even if they knew what it was, they didn't know how to give it. There was no dialogue, no trust between the two. So they joined the RP, and within you know, four weeks, they had started to work on training exercises in the backyard with the neighbor dog. Now, for some context, just to kind of lay the scene for you, they both had two big backyards, relatively big backyards, but it was a small gate that was between them that the dogs could see each other through, right? And I've seen videos of it. I posted them on my stories. You can check it out if you're interested. But like, they could see the other dogs. And the dogs would just go and they would fence fight. And Fiona would get very reactive. She would try to bite through the fence, all of that. Yeah. By four weeks since the RAP, they were implementing our flight behavior. Let's get out of here. And they were implementing Be a Dog, which is our relaxation protocol, in the backyard next to the dog, the neighbor dog, wandering around in their backyard. And there's video of Fiona just chilling by mom, chewing on her Kong full peanut butter literally almost right next to the other dog in the neighborhood, just doing whatever. Four weeks that happened. And she had counted, I never thought this was possible. I didn't think I was going to be able to do this. And mind you, that was before she'd even gotten alleviate. That was just when she had be a dog relaxation protocol and then let's get out of here. And the reason this worked, guys, has nothing to do with like how good or how effective the training was. Has everything to do with the fact that Fiona's mom was listening to Fiona more. She had the skills now to be able to have a conversation with Fiona. She had the skills to be able to ask Fiona what she wanted, what she needed. And she was starting to build trust in Fiona. And now here's the thing. Here's the really interesting part. It's going to get juicy right now. The, t- the story is like picking up, right? They had gone through the RFP for about three months. I don't know exactly how long it was, but it was about three months or so. And Fiona had not aggressed towards mom at all, which had been the longest time Fiona had not aggressed towards mom in forever. Okay. They'd been in the RPE three three months. Fiona had not aggressed towards mom or anyone else for that matter. No bites, nothing. And one trigger stack night, Fiona did end up snapping at mom. And typically people would start to go, oh my gosh, then it's not working. The training is not working. Fiona has aggressed. What does this mean? She must not be improving, but this might not be the right solution. People will get panicked. Like, oh my God, she aggressed. This is bad. Fiona's mom knew differently. Fiona's mom, one of the most beautiful things, I remember it very distinctly being in the coaching call and she told us this happened and her tone was so neutral. It was so matter of fact. Yeah, Fiona aggressed towards me. She snapped at me but I didn't care. That's what she said. And I was like, say more. What do you mean you don't care? And she said, well, I just look at it as information. She was really trigger stacked. When I look at the other things that had happened in that day, it makes sense that she was feeling emotional and I should have done X, Y, Z. I forgot to do it and it just happened, but it's okay. It's not going to happen again. And she was so unaffected by it. And I said, I'm sorry, can we just all pause here for a moment? and celebrate how beautiful this is? Can we just all pause and celebrate Fiona's mom for a moment and how she is able to take what happened and not be emotionally impacted by it, not be stalled by it, not be overanalyzing it, not be worried by it, but go, this is part of the journey. It's okay. It's just information. We can pick up and move. I mean, guys, that is what we're going for. That is such a beautiful skill to acquire in the recovery journey, to not panic when your dog relapses, quote unquote, relapses. I use 
you know, quote marks with that. When your dog doesn't demonstrate this undesired behavior again, you don't go, not working. But instead you sit and pause and go, wait a minute. We've gone three months without even a glimmer, without even a hint of this happening. It's okay that it happened once when she was trigger stacked, when she was feeling overwhelmed and when XYZ wasn't in alignment. That's okay. We'll be better. We'll move on. And you know what's really cool about this? This kind of goes back to one of the lessons I was talking about. Uh, I think it was yesterday's episode, maybe two days ago. What's cool about this moment was that as they had been in the three months prior to this incident where Fiona had aggressed towards Vaughn, in the three months prior to that, they had noticed a lot of Fiona's stress signals and they were starting to kind of pick up on Fiona's bravery signals, but they weren't as overt. They weren't as clear. And in the RP, when an incident happens, when a dramatic change of behavior occurs, we have something called the reset protocol where we give them a series of steps. There's about seven steps that they have to implement over a 36-hour window. In the RP, we have something called the reset protocol, which is that when a dog is going through an incident or a sudden relapse or a sudden behavior change, we give them a 36-hour window to do seven steps. And in that 36-hour window, what they had noticed about Fiona was that she had started to uncross her paws when she was laying. You know how like when a dog is laying, they usually like put their paws on top of each other, their front paws, and then they just kind of like lay on their back hip. In three days, 36 hours or so, that they didn't, you know, have to go through a lot of training, that they were just giving Fiona more time to settle. They noticed that she was uncrossing her legs and they said, what could this be? So they went back to their data. They did some analysis. They did some examining. And what they found out in that window was that when Fiona is feeling brave, when Fiona is feeling comfortable with her people and her environment, when Fiona is feeling secure enough to think critically and make brave choices, she will cross her legs in a lay position. And she only does this around mom and dad. She doesn't do this around strangers. She only crosses her legs around mom and dad. But when Fiona is feeling unsure and uncomfortable, about mom and dad or anyone in her environment. She uncrosses them. What a subtle behavior that would be so easy to overlook, but because of the power of data and because of the power of closely observing your dog, your individual dog, you're able to establish what does crossing and uncrossing your front paws and a dog mean for my dog? How freaking beautiful. Only good things, only good things came out of Fiona aggressing towards mom that one time. Only good thing they had done their three-day hold where they had figured out the difference between crossing and uncrossing. And mom had definitely had some mindset breakthroughs. Now, the, the, the end of the time in the RP, they've taken Fiona camping two weekends in a row, one of which was with friends. So one of those was just with mom and dad. But now she's going out with friends, which was massive because of course Fiona was sensitive around people, strangers, right? They're now going camping where she's getting within 10 feet of those people and hanging out for days on end around these strangers. She is building relationships with mom's nephew. So mom's nephew is nine years old and she has been building a really good relationship with that individual and learning how to communicate with a younger child, learning how 
that child needs to learn to be around Fiona. A lot of conversations happening around that. Mom is really happy, really impressed to see Fiona interacting with her nephew. And she is able to go out on walks more confidently with mom without mom feeling overwhelmed, without mom worried that Fiona is going to redirect on her, right? They are engaging in more conversation. Fiona and mom are doing a lot of of enrichment-focused behavior change. They're desensitizing. Muzzle left's been a big obstacle for them, but Fiona loves be a dog. They're sleeping next to each other in the same bed. Fiona's not aggressing towards mom. Fiona hasn't bitten or aggressed towards anyone else since being in the ROP. They are seeing transformations in Fiona that they didn't think that they would get in any time, let alone six months. But I have to say that for me as a coach, the beautiful thing is really watching the trust and the relationship between the two of them. For me, the payoff, the biggest reward I could have as their coach is watching videos and listening to mom talk about their experiences together and the trust that they've been able to build in one another. That is the most beautiful win is that they are starting to have conversations again. And mom doesn't have that little gut feeling in her stomach like, oh my God, Fiona's going to get me or Fiona's going to aggress towards anyone else. That is what we aim for. That is what we are striving for in recovery. So I hope that these stories brought you some inspiration. I hope that they're keeping you motivated to continue forward on your recovery journey. If you're looking for more inspirational stories, of course, we have those on our podcast. And so I encourage you to go listen to those. All right, my friends, have a fabulous rest of your weekend. And I will talk to y'all very, very soon. Bye, here. Thank you so much for listening to the Get a Calm Dog podcast. I really appreciate your time and hanging out with us. All of the resources are linked in the description box below. There are free resources. You can also learn more about how to work with me and team dog liaison. So if that's something you're interested in, all of that is in the description box. Thanks so much for hanging out. We'll see you guys next time.